Trinity Baptist Church. Proverbs chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Dear friend, do what I tell you. Treasure my careful instruction. Do what I say, and you will live well. My teaching is as precious as your eyesight. Guard it. Write it on the back of your hands. Etch it on the chambers of your heart. Talk to wisdom as a sister. Treat insight as your companion. They will be with you to fend off the temptress. The smooth-talking, honey-tongued seductress. The word of the Lord. Good morning. We are in this, um, in this series called Words to Live By, where we are looking at some of the themes in the book of Proverbs. And this morning, we are we're talking about something that every one of us has experienced in our lives. In fact, some of you are experiencing it right now in your life. And this theme is, or the word that we're going to look at this morning is conflict. And everybody said, yay! It's going to be fun. Um, when, when we come to conflict, there's something that we need, to, we need to recognize. That all of us approach conflict in a different way. And this is from last week, as is this. We approach conflict on a continuum. Um, so on this side of the continuum, you've got people who, who absolutely love conflict. Right? I mean, they just love it. They thrive on it. It just drives them. When they see conflict, they're like, oh, yes, I'm all over that. <laughs> and then you've got people on this side of the continuum, people who hate conflict. And because they hate it, they avoid it at all costs. They say, you know what, I, there's conflict, I'm going that way. And, and we, all, we all are somewhere on this continuum. Probably most of us are not here. Probably there's more of us who are here. But most of us will fall somewhere along this continuum. Now here's what I want to do. We haven't done our meet and greet yet. And so what I want to do, and Bob, you're going to love this. I'd like for us to, in a moment, to stand up, look around, find somebody that we don't know well. You might already know them, but somebody you don't know well. Introduce yourself. My name's Keith. How long have you been at Trinity, whether it's your first time or uh, a long time? And then I want you to answer this question not answer the question, complete this phrase. Conflict is. Okay? How, how do you define conflict? What's the meaning of conflict? Conflict is. Okay, stand, introduce yourself, and if you don't want to do it, just take out your iPhone and pretend you're emailing. You know? Okay, okay. That's enough. Don't sit down. Don't sit down. But stop talking for a minute. (laughs) All right. 
Okay. Don't, don't sit down because I'm going to ask you to do something else with that same person in a minute. Okay. Um, give, me, give me a couple of responses. Conflict is what? Exhausting. Something else. Necessary. Necessary. I don't know how to spell. I don't have a spell check. What? Stressful. What else? It's complicated. Complicated. Spiritual. Learning experience. Whoever said that is just really mature spiritually. Okay. Now then, what I'd like you to do with the same person is now um, complete this phrase. Conflict makes me feel. All right? Same person. Ready, go. Okay. Long enough to complete that phrase. Now you can sit. Okay, give me some give me some responses on that. Irritated. Did I hear itchy? Itchy. That's interesting. Okay. Alive. Hey, I didn't say it. I'm just writing. Uncomfortable. Kind of itchy. Comfortable. Manipulated. Okay. Here's here's what I want us to see. Is that when we come to conflict, we come with we come with both the the intellectual side, what we think about conflict the objective side and the subjective side, what we feel about conflict. And so when we come, and we're all coming at it from different places, we're somewhere on this continuum. And some of us come to conflict and we just, we think it's exhausting. We think it's stressful. Some of us think it's a learning opportunity. Um, So that's what we bring to it intellectually. But then we also bring this emotional piece to it, where, you know, sometimes we, when we're in conflict, we feel irritated. Some of us feel manipulated. Some of us feel alive. And so we have, we have these different perspectives that we approach conflict with, and, and they're not going to necessarily mesh with the person we're in conflict with, right? So here's what I want us to do for the next half hour. (laughs) Let's fight with each other. No. um, (laughs) See how it all works out. What I want us to do is I want us to suspend our, our thoughts and our emotions around conflict just for the next 30 minutes. And this is not to dismiss them. This is not to devalue them because they are real. Um, but, 
But we need to put them on the shelf for a few minutes so that we can open ourselves to the wisdom of the Scriptures around conflict. Okay, can we do that? All right. Here's where I want to start. I want to start in Proverbs 21.9. The Scriptures say, Better to live on a corner of the roof than with a house of a quarrelsome wife. Wait a minute, that's not the one I wanted. Here's the one, 2119. Better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. That's not the one I wanted either. But those are actually in here, and you can read them. Proverbs 1518. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms quarrels. Here's a similar one, Proverbs 29, 22. An angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. What the Proverbs are, are pointing out to us is that, that often conflict arises because of anger or temper. And we say, duh, we already knew that. But let's unpack that a little bit. Leave the Proverbs for a minute and turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Paul is writing this letter to the Christians in Ephesus. And right in the middle of the letter, he, in the context of speaking about truth and love, he he says this in verse... 25 of Ephesians 4, he says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Then you can skip down to verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. He says, in your anger, do not sin. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, which means deal with it. And then he says, get rid of bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander and malice. And he starts all of that off by saying, you've got to be speaking truthfully to one another. You need to be speaking the truth in love. But then he ends it with this charge to say, you need to be kind and compassionate and forgiving. And remember, he's talking to Christians here. Do you see what's in this passage? Conflict, right? You got somebody speaking the truth. All of a sudden, anger comes in. And along with malice and brawling and all that stuff. And then finally you come to this encouragement to to kindness and compassion and forgiveness. So what Paul is describing here is this thing that happens in everyday life. We know how normal conflict is. It's just part of life, isn't it? I mean, if you go to the movies, 
How good is the movie if there's not conflict within the first 30 seconds? Right? If there's no conflict in a movie, it's not a movie, it's a screensaver. Um, You just, it's boring. Why? Because something in our soul resonates with conflict. Because it's just part of the natural rhythm of, of life. It's part of living life in community. If you want to avoid conflict, avoid people. Um, including yourself, because a lot of us have internal conflict, right? One, um, one thing the Proverbs tells us, uh, or one of the things that the Proverbs tell us about uh, dealing with conflict is very similar to what Paul is saying. This is in Proverbs 15. This is, this is in Proverbs 15. 15.1 says, a gentle an- answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You've got, you've got these two things going on. You've got, um, you've got gentle versus harsh. And that's... One of the things that Paul is talking about, there was a verse that I skipped in, in Ephesians 4, verse 29, that says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, so that it may benefit those who listen. What, what Paul is saying, what the Proverbs are saying, is that it's not just about what you say, but it's about how you say it. We need to be thoughtful in our speech. We need to get to the place where we are able to speak to people gently, not harshly. That's wisdom around conflict. And what I love, both in in Ephesians and, and in the Proverbs about conflict, is that there's an assumption that you're actually in conversation with somebody. That you're actually face-to-face with them in relationship as you're trying to walk through this conflict. And when you're in this conversation, you have a choice to make. You can either be harsh and stir things up, or you can be gentle and, and promote healthy resolve. There's another proverb, Proverbs 25, 15. It says, through patience, a ruler can be persuaded, a gentle tongue can break a bone. What, what wisdom is saying here is that rather than being harsh and stirring things up, we should be patient and thoughtful in our speech. And through a gentle tongue, a gentle answer, we can actually break through someone who is hard as bone through gentleness. Question, how does it go for you when someone says something or does something that, that gets your blood heating up and you react with a harsh word? How's that work out usually? Not so good. Because it just fuels the fire. The, the challenge to us, the call to us is to be gentle in our speech. So what's the next piece of wisdom from the Proverbs? Proverbs 13.10. 
Pride only breeds quarrels, conflict. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. So here you've got humility v. pride. If you want... If you want to stir up conflict, just speak harshly and defend yourself pridefully, and you'll stir it up. If you want to be, be someone who brings resolve to conflict, be gentle and thoughtful in your speech and come humbly ready to listen and to, and to hear what they have to say. I want to leave the Proverbs again, and I want to go to the words of Jesus for some more insight on, in this. This is uh, Matthew chapter 5, if you want to turn there. And let's assume for a moment that you are in conflict with someone right now. And I know that's probably only two or three of us. <laughs> but let's just pretend that all of us are in conflict with someone right now. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's someone in your family. But as we go through this, this wisdom of, of what the Scriptures are calling us to in conflict, I want you to, to keep that person and that situation in mind and, and see what the Scriptures might be saying to you with regard to how you can resolve this. And, and just... FYI, or if I could ask something, if I'm the person you're in conflict with, can we just wait until tomorrow? After the service is probably not a great time. But anyway, uh, Matthew 5, 23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. What Jesus is talking about when he, about offering your gift, he's talking about worship. He's talking about connecting with God. And so the, the picture he's painting here is that, that when you come to connect with, with God in worship, and, and you think of someone who has something against you. You need to leave your gift there in front of everybody. And you need to go and find that person who has something against you. And do all that you can to be reconciled with that person. And then you come back to the altar. See, what Jesus is saying is that our connection with God is directly um, impacted by our connection with each other, by our connection with other people. You can't separate the two. It's love God and love others. It's not love God or love others. It's, they, they go hand, to hand in hand. As First John says, you know, if anyone says they love God but hate their brothers, he is a liar. You see, the challenge for us is that we need to understand that our connection with each other impacts our connection with God. And what Jesus is saying is that if there's somebody who has something against you, you need to go and you need to reconcile that before you can really connect with your Heavenly Father. 
And what, what's important to note here is that Jesus doesn't say, go find that person and explain yourself. But that's what we like to do. Isn't it? Um, I know you have something against me right now, but here's why you shouldn't. Here's, here's why what I did was really okay. And here's why I'm right and you're wrong, is essentially what we're saying when we try to explain ourselves. Jesus says, don't go to explain, but go to listen, which is essentially what Proverbs 13.10 said. said that pride only brings, breeds conflict, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. In other words, you don't go to the other person proud, holding on to the fact that you're right and they're wrong and they just misinterpreted the, the situation. You go humbly saying, how could I have done that differently? Because what we need to appreciate is that, that perception is reality for the other person. And so whether or not you did something wrong, perception is reality for the other person. And so when you step into that other person's perception of reality and you're trying to understand why they felt wronged by what you did, you're, you're being humble and you're, you're engaging them in a way that promotes reconciliation. Now, there's a flip side to this, and this is in Matthew 18, if you want to turn over a few pages there. Jesus is having a similar conversation about conflict. Matthew 18, verse 15, it says, If your brother sins against you, go and point out his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to to you, you have won him over, but if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that... Every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he still refuses to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen to even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. In other words, treat them as you would someone who is outside of the community. He says, if someone sins against you, you need to go to them and you need to say gently and humbly... You need to go to them and say, hey, we need to have this hard conversation. There's there's something that we really need to talk about. It doesn't say that you go to a bunch of people and drum up support for your side and then go and ambush these folks. It means that you go one-on-one and you sit down with them and say, hey, we we really need to talk this through. Question. Which of these these two things do we prefer doing? Telling someone how wrong they are or asking them how wrong we are? Neither. (laughs) Um, I think, you know, for me, I'll just be honest, I love telling you how wrong you are. Because I don't want to be wrong. I want to be right. And that's where pride comes in. That's where harshness comes in. Because I don't, I don't really want to hear how I operated wrong. And that goes back to this whole thing about teachability that we talked about last week. But the challenge 
is when I read the scriptures, the language about me in these texts is are things like pride or, or greed or I should leave my gift or I should go to you. And when you couple that with the language of Ephesians 4, it says, I am to put away anger. I am to put away malice. I am to put on kindness and compassion and forgiveness. Um, what all of that says is that I need to do a lot of, of soul-searching and introspection before I engage in conflict rather than just showing up and blasting you for doing wrong to me, which is what we tend to do. What the scriptures are calling us to is, is to hold up the mirror and ask ourselves, what am I doing to cause this situation that I dislike so much? What is existing in my life? And, and remember Ephesians says that we are to put away anger and deal with our anger and bitterness and, and, and malice. It doesn't say that the other person is supposed to do that. It says that I'm supposed to do that. But too often I want to impose things on them instead of um, take it on myself. I need to be doing a lot of reflection and find out what I've done to cause or contribute to the situation. So much of, of what goes on in conflict is driven by emotion. But when we're bringing it to the other person, we need to just be bringing the facts. I, um, not too long ago, there are some friends in our church who who um, disappeared from the congregation for a while, and, and there was something that had happened that I was aware of that, that I thought, well, maybe that's what's caused it to happen, and so I pursued them, and, and, and it didn't, I wasn't able to get together with them for a while, and so months went on, and, and, and so as these months went by, my emotions just keep growing and growing. And I start, you know, trying to put all these pieces together. Well, they left because of this, this, and this, and this. And, and that was wrong of them to do that. They shouldn't have, you know. And so I'm building all this stuff up in my mind. Finally, I, I I'm get a, a meeting with them, and I'm going to go sit down and talk this thing through. And that afternoon, I'm trying to get my argument in order. Okay, here's what I'm going to say. When they say this, I'm going to come back with this. And as I'm kind of plotting my game plan, the Lord says, uh-uh. You need to go listen. You need to just go listen. And allow me to show you what's really going on. Okay. So I went and I listened. And we ended up spending five hours together. And we talked through some really hard things. And we laughed a lot. And it ended up being a wonderful evening together. Whereas if I had gone in and, and worked out my plan, it would have been a really short conversation and there would have been no resolve. Because I would have gone in with both barrels blazing and would have just blasted them and what I found out in the conversation is the reasons why I thought they left 
were not the reasons at all. There's something totally different. And if I had gone in and said, well, it just wouldn't have worked. But see, what the Lord did is he convicted me and he said, you need to go in gentle and you need to go in humble and you need to be willing to take advice and you need to listen. And because I was obedient in that moment, and I'm not always, but in that moment, um, the Lord honored that. My point is that we need to listen to the Lord. We need to, when, when we're wanting to confront somebody, we need to stop and say, okay, is this really what it's about? Too often we hold each other responsible for how we are feeling rather than own our emotions and, and just look at the facts. We hold people responsible for how they made us feel um, but what the scriptures are saying is that we have to own our emotions and we have to deal in the facts. And what someone did may have really hurt you, but what they did may have been the right thing for them to do and it just happened to hurt you. And you have to deal with that. Proverbs 3.30 says, Do not accuse anyone for no reason when they have done you no harm. You see, sometimes we accuse people of wrong because what they did hurt us, but what we really need to be asking is, why did it hurt me? Why did what they did hurt me? Was it because it stepped on my pride? Was it because it stepped on my greed? Was it because it stirred up some kind of fear? Was it because it stepped on something in me that needs to be corrected? See, we need to go to the mirror and say, Lord, What's really going on here with this? Instead of going to show someone their fault, our default posture should be one of kindness, one of compassion, one of gentleness, one of forgiveness. We don't go in as judge and jury and executioner. We, we go in as someone who's already determined to forgive them, and we're desirous of moving toward reconciliation. That's the posture that the Scriptures are calling us to. So a good rule of thumb around Matthew 18 is to never approach someone about what they've done unless you've already decided to forgive them. Don't go to blast somebody and, and hopefully they'll come and they'll, they'll repent. No, you need to go having already decided that, that you've forgiven them because that's going to change your posture. And don't go unless you're actually going for their sake. Often we go because we want to get something off of our chest. But that's for us. We need to go because we want them to grow. And, and, and we're committed to, to their growth and, and, and helping them to be better. That's what we talked about last week in teachability. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. 
there are times when we do need to go confront somebody because they did sin and their sin did hurt me and it and their behavior their pattern of behavior is not just hurtful to me but it's going to be hurtful to others and we need to confront that but that's for their sake that's not for mine it's so that they can see that and and move forward One last passage I want us to look at very quickly is in um, Matthew chapter 7. And this is a text that we're all familiar with, and so I'm not going to spend a lot of time. This is the one where Jesus says, don't try to get the speck out of your brother's eye until you get the, the log out of your own. You know that, that passage? I love that passage because it paints such a ridiculous picture. It, the picture that Jesus paints in, in this text is that, that you walk into the room and you got this big old log sticking out of your eye and you, and you walk over to somebody and you go, oh, you got a little something, something right there, you know. And they're saying, are you kidding? Are you serious? Is this the conversation we're having? Because you, we got this huge thing sticking out of our eye. Too often in conflict, that's what we do. We try, to, we try to examine the specs that other people have before we look in the mirror and see this plank that's sticking out of our own eye. Matthew 5 and Matthew 18 and Matthew 7 all are telling us we need, when it comes to conflict, we need to look at ourselves first. And say, what is my peace in this? And how do I deal with my peace in this so that I can gently and humbly come to the person that I'm in conflict with? Jesus says in Matthew 5, blessed are the peacemakers. Who was the ultimate peacemaker? Jesus. And the reason why he was the ultimate peacemaker is because we had real conflict with God. It wasn't perceived. It was real. We sinned against him. But Jesus came, became a human, and he humbled himself, took our sin upon him, And took that sin to the cross where he died in our place so that we could be reconciled to the Father. Jesus was the ultimate peacemaker. And his invitation to us, the Proverbs invitation to us, Paul's invitation to us is to be a peacemaker like Jesus was a peacemaker. Is to be gentle and humble and say, how do I take your stuff onto me? so that we can be reconciled to one another. The posture that we're to have is the posture that Paul calls us to in Ephesians 4 where he says, be kind and compassionate, forgiving one another just as in Christ. God forgave you. So when a person offends us, 
And we are living in a world where, where Jesus forgives us all of our sin and all of our brokenness rather than hold the other person responsible for things that may or may not be factual. Rather than hold the other person responsible for our emotions, we are invited to forgive just as God forgave us in Christ Jesus. We all come to conflict with with different perspectives. Some of us think it's exhausting. Others think it's necessary. Some feel like it's irritating and itchy. Others feel alive. But no matter what our perspective is and no matter what our emotion around it is, the scriptures say that we're to be gentle and we're to be humble and we're to look at ourselves and we're, gonna, we're, we're to own our stuff before we try to help somebody move forward in their stuff. And as we reconcile with one another, we are actually doing one of the most godlike things possible. Because the message of Jesus is that he stepped into human history to reconcile us to God. And as Paul told the Corinthians, he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So let me pray for us. Lord, I am so grateful that my conflict with you was reconciled once and for all on the cross. I am so grateful for your gentleness and your humility with me that enables me to be in relationship with you without fear. And I pray, Lord, that that you would help all of us to assume that same kind of posture with each other as we deal with conflict. That we would see it as an opportunity. We would see it as a necessary part of, of growth. We would see it as a gift that that challenges us to to look at ourselves in ways that maybe we wouldn't otherwise, that challenges us to, to, to wrestle through our own stuff, looking in the mirror, taking the log out of our eye before we go and, and try to get that little speck out of somebody else's. Lord, I thank you for the cross. I thank you that we, we come um, cleansed because of what you've done. I pray that we would take the cleansing of the cross and and let that be a a motivator, a a challenge as we move toward others in, in reconciliation. We pray this for your namesake. Amen.